Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. Hey, this is Brian Alvarez, and this is today's edition of the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8-Side Network. Are you ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on! How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, noon Pacific, 3 Eastern, Sunday, 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. Well, it's Wednesday here on the show, and it is also January 5th. Now, you know what that means. Night two of Wrestle Kingdom is in the books. And what did you think of the show? I have not seen everything yet, not going to lie. But I have seen the most important matches on both shows. I have Actually, I shouldn't say the most important matches because I have not seen the stardom match yet. But I have seen the Tanahashi-Kenta match for the IWGP United States Heavyweight title in a no-DQ match. I've seen Okada versus Will Ospreay to unify the titles. And yes, I went back yesterday and I watched Evil versus Tomohiro Ishii. So I got a lot to talk about from these two shows. And obviously news coming out of the shows as well. Yesterday was also NXT 2.0, their New Year's Evil show, which was not as good as what I've seen on the Tokyo Dome. Braun Breaker is your new NXT champion, beat Tommaso Ciampa. They had a very, very good main event. And I got reports that the show was like not very good at all except for the main event. And I thought it was fine. Uh, there were some problems, but uh, Riddle and MSK versus Imperium, I mean, that was really good, and Carmelo and Roderick Strong was good. Anyway, we could talk about that. We also got a lot of other news. Tonight is the AEW debut, Dynamite Moves to TBS. We have got Hangman Page, Brian Danielson 2 for the AEW World title with judges, if it happens to go 60 minutes. I'll tell you about that and all of the other matches on the show, because there are a lot of them. The Young Bucks and uh, Brandon Cutler off the show due to COVID and COVID exposure. I'll give you an update on that. And uh, also, in terms of COVID, Kalisto did an Instagram post where he he basically said he got COVID-19 over the summer and it almost killed him. So we can tell you about that and a lot of other news. But when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the top story today. What is the top story, you ask? Well, yesterday everybody was asking... Was Ishii Evil actually worse than AJ and Omos? I will answer that question for you after the break, Observer Live. (laughs) 
Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. I'm Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Well, as I promised, top story today. Is it possible for Ishii to have a bad match? Was Ishii versus Evil on night one of the Tokyo Dome worse than AJ versus Omos on Raw? Well, now that I've seen both matches, I have answers to all of these questions, everyone. First off, the answer is yes, Ishii can be in a bad match. Now, would I say that Ishii can have a bad match? Well, that's a little bit different, because if you actually watch the match for the first, I don't know, four minutes before anybody got involved, I mean, it actually was good, because Ishii is great. But then, then everybody got involved, and uh, the match sucked okay but the match sucked because the booking sucked and the run-ins and the interference and she lost so he's no longer the never open way champion evil is so like from that perspective i mean it sucked it was just horrible okay but if you are going to come on the chat or call me or text me or whatever and you're going to try and tell me with a straight face that the match was worse than aj and omos you know what that tells me you didn't see aj and omos that match, that wrestling match, was far worse than Evil and Ishii. Now, I'm not defending Evil and Ishii. It sucks. And uh, we got to get rid of this Bullet Club or House of Pain or whatever their, this gimmick is now. It sucks. And you know you know how I know something sucks? When they're doing a match and you've got a beloved babyface like Ishii, and Ishii gets taken to the ropes, and some fellow named Dick Togo takes a steel chair and he whacks Ishii in the back... And there's deathly silence in the Tokyo Dome. There was no booing. There was no gasping. Deathly, deadly silence in the Tokyo Dome. That's when you know, this don't work no more. And it wasn't even the match that they usually do, where everybody interferes and they do all this stuff. And, you know, Evil's been hitting people with this gimmick all through the tour. And so you think he's going to hit the guy with the gimmick at the Tokyo Dome, but then the guy's going to kick out and beat him. And Ishii will get his hand held high with his... Nope! They beat him. They beat Ishii. So, yeah, it absolutely sucked, everybody. But uh, almost, uh, Omos and AJ, much worse. Much worse. Now... I got two things I want to talk about because I've only seen two matches from the from night two of the Dome show. The first match I saw was Tanahashi and Kenta. Okay, God bless these two guys. They had a no DQ match, and so there were trash cans, there were chairs, there were tables, and there was a ladder. Okay, now if you are an American and you use American ladders, you know how a ladder works. Well, it's shut, and then you open it up, and it's got this thing across it that prevents it from, like, going like this, and you fall down and die, okay? That's a, it's an, a ladder. You just open it up. It's done. This ladder that they had was, was it opens, but it'll just keep going like this. There was no thing in the middle because you have to open it, and then there are four count them four there's four like hanging gimmicks that you have to attach from one side of the ladder to the other do this match was let me see how long the match was the match was uh 22 minutes and 40 seconds okay a full 20 minutes of this match 
was Kenta trying to put this... I almost said a bad word. I forgot what show it was on. Kenta's trying to put this stupid ladder together. And, like, he's shouting profanities in Japanese, and the audience is laughing. He's trying to put this stupid ladder together. I have never seen... I swear to God, I don't think I've ever seen in my life a hardcore match where more of the match was spent trying to put the stuff together. They're trying to open this table, and the table, the legs won't stay open. They're trying to open this stupid ladder. Oh, my God. And they're taking these bumps onto these chairs, and it's just a total garbage match with two great workers. And then Kenta decides, I'm going to go up to the top of this ladder, I'm going to do some spot. Well, he gets to the top of the ladder, and Tanashi jumps off this table, and Tanashi tries to tip over this this ladder, but the ladder's like, literally, it's like 200 feet tall. Literally, 200 feet tall. So he's trying to tip it, and it's, it's all wobbly and everything like that, and finally, Kenta just like, he falls, he does like a stomach-first bump off this ladder, and he hits his face on the side of a trash can, and he just comes up, he's just pouring blood everywhere for this stupid spot. Then Tanahashi puts him on this table, and Tanahashi, at 40-something years old, and he's, he's like 40 years old, and his knees are shot, he climbs up to this, like, way up high on this ladder, and he does a high-fly flow off the ladder, and he puts Kenta through this table, and I'm like, brother, why? There's like 30 people in the Tokyo Dome this year. You just about, and Chris Charlton's begging him not to do it. He's like, you'll, you'll never be the same again. But he doesn't. He puts him to the table and he wins. And I mean, it was a spectacle. Like, if you're into spectacles, I mean, you got one. But my God, what were these two guys doing? Doing all this stuff. I was just sad watching it. And then Okada and Will Ospreay in the main event was awesome. And the only thing I'll say is uh, two fantastic athletes, two great workers. They had a great match. And this place, it sounds like, it sounded like they were wrestling. You ever seen those old National Geographic shows where, like, some explorer goes, like, in some cavern, you know, 300 feet below the North Pole? And I'm surprised they didn't wear those helmets with the light on top when they did this match. This crowd is just, it's silent. And the stuff is just echoing off the walls of this empty building. And it just felt like I was watching a dying promotion, which it's not, by the way. But because it's two nights in the Dome and, you know, there's ah, it's just sad watching it. But it's a match. It was a great match. But it's just a match where you watch it. It was great. But, uh, like, people were going, was this better than the Shingo match? And I was like, I'm not sure. Because, like... Both of them were great, but you don't have the crowd going crazy and they're going nuts and popping. I mean, the crowd's silent and they do the spot where they throw a forearm and the crowd's like, and they're chopping, they're, they're, they're clapping for each of the, the, the strikes or whatever. But other than that, it's, it's just, uh, ah, can we, ah, I don't even know. It's not their fault. It's just sad. But anyway, great match, great main event. What did you think, Mike? How was the Ocon match? How was Okan and Sonata? A technical masterpiece? I missed it. I'm trying not to do any callbacks to yesterday at all, but let me, before that, let me just ask you, why are you sad? Sad about sad what? For, why are you sad for, well, I can understand why you're sad about the crowd because of the COVID yeah, I'm requirements. Sad. There's nobody but- there. They're not allowed to cheer. They're, they have to sit there quietly during these, these main events. Ugh. Sad. Why are you sad about Tanahashi and Kenta, though? Why are you sad? Because they're too great the to, be, to be killing themselves like this. Well, 
Yeah, they're too great to be killing themselves in a horrible match where they have to be construction workers and putting the ladder together. I'm sure Kenta, when he signed his contract, like one of the clauses was, you will put ladder together in hardcore matches. And he's like, ah, I don't even know my wrench. Dude, did it not take forever to put this stuff together? Look, like it was is, comedy. You didn't see the stardom uh, match with the ladders in them, the, the finals of the 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 trios that they had with that with that ladder on it they uh yeah some about ladders and tables when it comes to japan they maybe they need to import some because i'm not sure if the blood that was still left splattered across the table after tanahashi put kenta through it came from kenta's face or the fact that maybe it was from his back because the way he went through that table i mean the japanese tables are of course Famous for not being able to break very easily. Dude, they and mentioned they, he was scarred for life from going through a table. They absolutely smashed through it. Yeah, and they mentioned that because they mentioned that about Tanahashi. Because as you mentioned, Chris just kept saying over and over, yeah, you could win the title, but you're not going to be able to have any defenses because you won't be able to walk after that dive. And he barely could. I mean, man, they worked hard. I don't know about sad being the word I'd use, though. Uh, it was, I was, Certainly not sad. I was, I was kind of sad watching it. It was just... And we'll talk more about this show after the break. We had a lot to get into. Stick around, Observer Live. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, they're like, you know, who's ready to catch Creighton? You know, watch Creighton. They fight, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, gonna, not the not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, just I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? see the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world. To bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. 
Learn more at ucsd.edu. Oh, this ladder. Yeah, Ken is trying to set up this ladder, and he just can't do it. And so he asks Red Shoes, the referee, for help. But she's like, it's on you, brother. Not helping. So poor Ken, it takes an hour to set up this ladder. And then, and yeah, you guys don't know this because of the way they shoot it in WWE. You see it every now and then. But when they have the super high ladders in WWE, they usually have, like, at least two referees out there holding the ladder to make sure it doesn't tip over. Ken is on, like, Tanahashi goes to climb this ladder, okay? And, uh... You know, the higher he gets, the more wobbly it is. And then he's trying to turn around as he's, you know, three rungs from the top. And it takes him an hour to try to turn around because it's so wobbly. And I'm looking down and it's like, where's Red Shoes? Can you at least hold the ladder? Nope. Red Shoes is like, you're on your own, buddy. You turn around, you either make it or you don't. And uh, thankfully he made it. And hey, the, the high fly flow looked great. And uh, there was a spot in the in the uh, Okada Osprey match where Okada uh, where Osprey did this moonsault off a lighting rig that I I realized I was exaggerating with 200 feet, but he was legitimately 12 feet in the air because it was double the height of Okada, and he did this moonsault off this ladder, and I have no idea how he didn't destroy both of his knees. It was scary looking, but he did it. And like I said, the match was great. If this had been a full Tokyo Dome. People going nuts. I mean, people will be talking about it for match of the year. I would suspect five months from now, it will not be in the running for match of the year. What did you think of this show? What else did you see, Mike? I saw the last five matches, actually. I didn't uh, have a chance to see the King of Pro Wrestling uh, four-way and everything that took place before that. I'll be watching that before Adam and I record the Big Audio Nightmare, which I think is going to be a little bit later on today. Uh, but, you know, oh, may I say one thing? Because I say one thing before you go, because it's breaking news. Good. What? Uh, WWE is on another firing spree. Ooh. Yeah, you'll okay. hear about it more soon. But uh, at, at this moment, I know that people are getting fired in uh, NXT. So uh, we'll know more probably by the end of the show. But, you know, they just got they just got too many people as they have literally nobody to face Roman Reigns. At the, anyway, it just sucks. Go ahead. Well, let's see the names, too. You know, let's see if it's a mix of people as well, too, if there's any redundancy issues or anything like that. But, uh, you know, you made a crack about Sonata and Great Ocon, you know, as far as the technical aspect of it and Ocon getting that award. But it was It Sonata appears to be o- mostly office, by the way. Go ahead. At this yeah. point, this could change. But right now, it's, it seems to be office people. So Sonata and Ocon actually was, you know, it had its moments actually being technically really good. And, of course, that comes from Sonata, who gets the victory in that match. That's followed up by Tetsuya Naito and Jeff Cobb and what was a really great 15 and a half minutes. Jeff Cobb is, he's fantastic. You know, if they wanted to rebuild the tag team division and, and insert some new blood into it, great Ocon as a team with uh, Jeff Cobb would be great. You know, I'd love to see Jeff Cobb in the mix for singles titles, but the way it looks right now, you know, with Evil holding the the IC title and, and just all that sort of stuff, I don't know. If that's sort of the never title, I'm not sure if that's a direction that they would want to go. But him is in a tag team with Osprey continuing to challenge Okada. I love that. And I think they made the right decision with Okada and Osprey, too. I'm not sure, you know, everybody's got their favorites on who they wanted to see come out of this thing. But I think with the situation they're in right now with the, with the, <laughs> you know, cachet that Okada has, I think it's the right time. And plus, he gets a chance to finally wear his very first IWGP 
world heavyweight championship. Yeah, all he did was complain about how the belt sucked and he wanted the old belt back, and then he starts carrying around the old belt. Then he wins this belt, and now he's proud. Well. I agreed with him earlier, by the way. Yeah, this well, Jeff Hardy-looking belt. He probably still agrees with that, too, but, you know, this is how things go sometimes. You know, you got a boss that's a real pain in the ass, and they want it their way all of the time, over and over again, and they just constantly will tear you down sometimes you just have to say f it fine i'll take your what belt. promotion are you talking about all of them just saying if i can take my texarkana title come on get real brother <laughs> so anyway there's uh, uh get out of here so anyway <laughs> there's uh, uh, a lot of other stuff going on that we got to talk about we can come back to this when we do uh when we do uh commentary later uh, you know what i'm talking about when you contact me but tonight is uh, AEW. They moved to TBS. So, of course, if you uh, DVR this show, VCR, whatever, if you're one of these old school folks, then you need to uh, change it to TBS. The lineup tonight, Hangman Page, Brian Danielson for the AEW World title. This match, 60-minute time limit with judges. And uh, we don't know who the judges are yet. I think people have... Uh, do we know the judges? I, I heard a name, but I don't know if that guy was joking or, or what the situation is. I don't. They haven't announced it. I okay. don't believe. You would think that they would announce these judges because it's kind of like an important part of the story. Well, but that's the uh, that's the main. Unless event. that's the reason they're not doing that, because if they do announce the name, somebody's going to try to draw lines right away or something like that. Yeah, is Max Caster really one, or is he joking? That's my question. Oh God, I if that's going to be the case, and I love Max Caster and everything, but it's like. Don't do that. You know, make it where, uh, I don't know. If this is going to be for the world title, this is a really important thing. You're just doing a really WCW thing if you bring in, you know, Jason Hervey, Patty Mullen. And I'm not saying that, well, if one of your wrestlers is at that level. Well, this story is a WCW story here with the judges. Yeah, maybe. But it doesn't, to me, you can't. You can't do that. I mean, if you're going to do that, what, why would Max Castor be a judge other than he won like a lotto thing? If you're going to do that, put it on BTE or something. It's like somebody won the raffle to be one of the judges for the, the World Heavyweight Championship contest. I, I That's crazy. Well, Lenny, Lenny here does say they never announced the judges for Flair Steamboat in 89, and that ended up just fine. So I guess we'll – here's the yes, deal, everybody. Did. Yes, Here's the deal. Yeah, they. I think they did announce them beforehand. But maybe, maybe somebody not. clear this up. But here's 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 the deal, everybody. Do a show. I don't know the finish. I don't know who's winning. I would say with ninety nine point nine 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 percent certainty, it's not going to the judges. Okay. How long should the match go? Is a big question. Well, by the way, I don't know you fifty bucks because that uh, Okada Osprey match went over thirty minutes. But anyway, here's the thing with this match. Based on the first match going to a sixty minute draw. And based on the fact that the match grew, like through the entire hour and 15 minutes it was on the air, this should go long, but it should not go to a draw. I would probably do 40 to 44 minutes, because you do want to tease that it's going to go to a draw again, but it shouldn't go to a draw. And you know that the longer you go, the more people are going to watch the match. So I think that it should go long, but not to a draw. And, you know, there's a lot of rumors about uh, John Moxley because uh, he was announced, I think it was a GCW show he was announced for in, in late January, and he's clearly returning to AEW before GCW. 
And uh, most likely he was supposed to be wrestling for the world title on this show. Uh, so I would not be the least bit surprised if, if Hangman Page ended up uh, w- uh, winning the match and then uh, the feud with Moxley begins there. Uh, but, I mean, there's a million things that they could do. We got Lucha Brothers Jurassic Express for the titles. Jade- Let me just throw in here one thing real quick on that because I don't know. I'll have to double-check to see. I don't think that was announced. What was announced was that when Homicide won the number one contendership rumble that they had, he's going to get the next shot. It's just everyone's assumption that because they're going to Hammerstein on, in January that if Moxley, if Moxley's ready, why would you not have a Moxley uh, match against Homicide and have the GCW World Title match then. So I think people are leaning into that. But I mean, I mean, I have no idea what the status of John's Moxley is if he's inpatient out. I have no idea. So I think I think people may be just taking that and going, well, he's got to be back soon, right? He's going to be back there. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case because, like you mentioned, there are a lot of people saying once he couldn't come back to AEW and he would have to quote unquote have to do that first. It would just make more sense. We've got uh, Jade Cargill, Ruby Soho for the TBS title. Malachi Black, Brian Pillman Jr., MGF versus TBA. Chris Jericho appears. There will be no Young Bucks on the show because uh, Matt and Brandon Cutler both got COVID several days ago. I was told that Matt feels much, much better today, and I believe Brandon does as well. Uh, Nick Jackson, obviously, he was, you know, spending a lot of time with his brother, and so uh, he was quarantined, but I don't think that he got it. Uh, So I would presume that they will be good to go for next week's show, uh, but they will not be there for tonight's show. And this was not a situation where they flew out there and uh, they discovered that they had COVID there and so potentially other members. This was all stuff in California, and they've just been at home for the last several days. So that's the update on the Jacksons and Brandon Cutler. Hopefully everything is, uh, hopefully everybody is good soon. Uh, Kalisto. As we, move towards, as we move towards the end of the week here too, before you mentioned Kalisto, Roman Reigns, you know, they did mention that tease if he's going to be ready for Friday or not. And now we're already on Wednesday. It is going to be interesting to see if he actually does show up and Lesnar sees him on SmackDown. So Kalisto noted on Instagram that the virus nearly ended him. He said he was hospitalized the entire month of August, nearly had two heart attacks in addition to the virus and a stomach ulcer, adding that he, quote, only had a day to prepare for my return on TV, which was his SmackDown match with Cesaro. Uh, He says, beyond my belief, I thought I never get this bad, but I took that as a sign, really trained hard, rolled the dice, and Lucha 2022 is all I focus on. Lucha always like there's no tomorrow, he wrote. So, he got it bad. And then uh, Tony Khan's dream signing. Don't know who it is, but he says there is a dream signing that is coming, quote, pretty soon to AEW. So, back in a moment, we'll talk uh, Braun Breaker. Take your feedback. Tokyo Dome, whatever else you want to get into. Back in a moment, Observer Live. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. 
Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my day. <laughs> At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Sempervivi, also of WrestlingObserver.com. Your main man, Braun Breaker. He's the NXT 2.0 champion now. Beat Tommaso Ciampa. Match was really good. Ciampa's awesome. Braun Breaker is impossibly good, given his uh, 15 career matches I think he's at right now. He uh, got the win with the Rick Steiner Bulldog off the middle rope, followed by the Scott Steiner Steiner Recliner. Clean submission over Tommaso Ciampa. There were Frankensteiners in this match. You know, you know what? Uh, I know you guys know that I like this Braun Breaker. But you know what I really like about this Braun Breaker? is he has a great sympathetic face. Like, if you see the guy, he's like a big, tough guy, big, mean-looking, tough guy. And uh, sometimes we have a big, mean-looking, tough guy. Let's take Goldberg, for example. Goldberg, he never has, like, the, the sympathetic face, where when he's selling, you know, he's got that, that look on his face where, like, oh, man, this poor guy. He, he sells like, a, like an animal that's been injured. Uh, that's what Goldberg does. And uh, a lot of these these big, mean dudes, uh, they have the same sort of deal. But, man, this Braun Breaker, when that guy's selling, I mean, he's got this look of, of sadness and pain on his face where it's like, man, this guy this guy is going to get some sympathy. And he did a great job in this match. Ciampa is out of this world. Braun Breaker's your new champion. And uh, I thought it was a very, very good main event. The... Uh, they didn't do AJ Styles and uh, and what's his face, Grayson Grace Waller. Waller. Yeah, it was listed on the lineup, and then they just didn't do it. I guess you know, it was one of those things where they you know they showed they did the show and they thought, wait a second, we have a show next week. Hmm, 
I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't thought that we had to do another show in a week. Eh, I'll switch one of the matches. So it's AJ Styles, Grayson Waller next week on NXT. And uh, also Zion Quinn and Santos Escobar. Watch where... it take place on Raw. Watch him. Watch Waller come out or AJ come out and go, you know what, I demand he come out here and I face him tonight on Raw. Yeah. We got uh, Zion Quinn, Santos Escobar, where uh, what's-her-name is going to leave with the winner. This storyline's so stupid. Boa versus Solo Sokoa. We've got Amari Miller, Casey Catanzaro, and Caden Carter versus Persia Parada, Indy Hartwell, and Wendy Chu. Uh, Wendy Chu is a former thousand-year-old lady. She's got a new gimmick. Now her gimmick is that she wears her pajamas everywhere and sleeps backstage. <laughs> that one. You guys ain't watching NXT 2.0? Change your plans. Set your DVR. And then uh, Pete Dunne and Tony D'Angelo are having a crowbar on a pole match. I'm not making any of this up. That's the lineup for next week on NXT. Look at me smiling thinking about this. Ridiculous. So anyway, the opener on the show was uh, uh, Carmelo Hayes versus Roderick Strong. It was a unification match for the Cruiserweight and North American Championships. And uh, Carmelo Hayes won, so he's the unified champion. I presume they're just going to get rid of the uh, Cruiserweight title. The match is weird because like, I was watching the match, and I'd gotten reports that the show was bad until the main event. And I was watching Carmelo Hayes and Roderick Strong, and it was not bad. It was like a good match. It was like a really good match. And then when it was over, the announcers were talking about how it's the first classic match of, of 2022. And then it, like, hit me that it wasn't that good. Like, it was fine. There was nothing wrong with it. But it was just, like, a good match. You know, Roderick Strong's great. Carmelo Hayes did a lot of... He does a lot of cool stuff, but it was just, like, more he did cool stuff as opposed to, hey, we're going to put this cool stuff into, like, a really great match. Nothing wrong with it. It was It was fine. We had the uh, Riddle and MSK versus Imperium match, which uh very, very good match. I mean, everyone in this match is great. And Valter was in there just chopping the hell out of people. <laughs> Actually, the the real marking out was for the chops in the, in the opening match with Carmelo and Roderick Strong. I mean, those guys were chopping each other. The fans on, on this show were great. I mean, there was like 400 people or whatever in the building, but they were hot for this show. And, man, they're throwing chops in the opener. And there's these grown men in the crowd. They're clutching their shoes going, ah, these chops. And, of course, then when Walter got in and started chopping dudes, they sold for that as well. These fans sold great. Better than Omas, I might add. But they had a good match. And then uh, Riddle actually uh, pinned Bartell. So Imperium, with the return of Walter, they actually lost. But it was a very, very good match. Electra Lopez is her name. She says, next week... It's Zion Quinn Santos Escobar. Even though Zion Quinn said she needed to give him an answer last week or else, well, she'll give him the answer next week. She's leaving with the winner. So there you go. Mandy Rose, Cora Jade, and Raquel Gonzalez. I mean, I wouldn't say the match was bad, but if you're one of those folks that just, like, you think Cora Jade is great and they should do something with his 20-year-old, uh, well, uh, bro, you know what you're watching? So they do this three-way, and uh, at the end of the match, Cora Jade uh, tosses uh, Gonzalez outside. She's alone in the ring with Mandy Rose, who's been laid out. Cora Jade gets a smirk on her face like, man, I got this one. And she goes over there, 
and she gets her cradle reversed and she's pinned clean in the middle of the ring by Mandy Rose. I was like, of course she was. So Mandy Rose, the heel, Mandy Rose, the heel, went in there and she she convinced both baby faces to fight each other. They fight each other, leading to a match where she outsmarts both of them and she cleanly pins Cora Jade because they don't know how to book a baby face to save their lives. And then there was some other stuff as well. But yeah, the main event was the highlight of the show. Braun Breaker, I mean, beer money should just give me his money now because, like, he's losing this bet. <laughs> I mean, Braun Breaker, he's a future superstar on the main roster. It's like... He's anyway. got those genetics, man. He really does. And I I know I'm old, but like 35 years ago, you know, it was his father winning the TV title. <laughs> I just remember big, goofy Rick Steiner giving the interview after he beats Mike Rotundo for the, the TV title, a big childlike figure. And, and that's one thing, even though people don't think of him this way because of where he, you know, what he looked like in the NWO days and what his reputation is. I mean, Rick Steiner had that kind of face too, that confused, goofy face. He can make a childlike kind of sad face. That's why when he was feuding with Kevin Sullivan and the Varsity Club and people like that, you could get sympathy on a guy who was a killer, a guy who looked like he had muscles on muscles because he did, a guy who could actually take you and physically rip you apart because they knew he had real wrestling skills and credentials. I mean, that's what was able to get Rick Steiner over as this goofy baby face. And Braun has that. The only thing that Braun doesn't have is size. And it's crazy when you think about Braun Breaker and you think about this guy, the Ravens, and he had this incredible, you know, 30 bench press, whatever it was where they were blowing his, you know, he was blowing everybody's minds because of his size. He doesn't have height. And if there's going to be anything that ends up hurting him, on the main roster would be if there's Braun Breaker and there is somebody else who is 6'6", who may not have this, but he's got the size that Vince will always kind of fall to, that's the only thing I can see hurting Braun Breaker. But the reality is he's so good. He's so charismatic. He's got he's got everything that it's going to be their fault if he doesn't develop because there's nothing about him and everything about him, his football career, his now his wrestling, where he doesn't want to put in the effort. He's not going to do everything he needs to do. So if this thing doesn't happen, it's probably going to be because of them. And I know we say that a lot, but this is there's like a real big shining light on this. If they screw up Rick Steiner's kid, eh, development-wise, that's, uh, that's pretty sad. Dude, he's got a big, thick physique. He's taller than Kurt Angle was. He's miles better than Grayson Waller. He's miles better than, who are the other dudes here that they push? Von Wagner, he's miles beyond Von Wagner. And I won't say better than Carmelo, because I think Carmelo's got a different star power. And I think, you know, to... to, He will go significantly farther than Carmelo on the Oh, he absolutely will. Yeah, he he will. But, you know, as far as the the new people that they're pushing, yeah, I mean, you know, experience aside, he, he really is at the top of the list because of everything else. And... You know, just to bring this up, too, because I've talked about Santos Escobar and would love to see him out of there. If they're not going to use him on the main roster when they bitch and moan and whine about not having any Latino stars who can speak great English, well, you know, he's another guy. Why isn't he there? Because of his size. He's too short. It's so incredibly stupid. But Imperium, Bartel and Eichner, and I know everybody loves Walter, and Walter's reputation is what it is. Man, Bartel and Eichner, everybody always talks about, well, I wonder what the Uskos could look like 
you know, uncuffed outside the WWE element. I think the same thing about Imperium all the time. I think they're fantastic. You look at teams like the Briscoes and FTR who might be getting together, and you look at what can happen because of the landscape we're in right now. And I look at Imperium and go, damn, I'd love to see them against a lot of tag teams out there, whether it be the Young Bucks, FTR. I don't care who it is. I'd love to see them work. Rick Steiner was there, celebrated with his son afterwards. What a, we didn't that see was that a digital show. exclusive. They didn't even yeah. put that on the show. Yeah. They can't call him Steiner, but it's like, I mean, they tell you multiple times every time he's out there that he is he is uh, Rick Steiner's son. He is a dog-faced gremlin. Dog-faced gremlin. He does all their moves. He's an awesome Frankensteiner in this match. You know what? It's going to make people mad. His Frankensteiner is better than Scott's. Whoa! Bro, Whoa! I've been watching Scott's Frankensteiner. I literally watched it yesterday on because uh, we're watching all of the old Raws. And Scott's is, is great, and the crowd pops big for it because they haven't seen it before. But, like, he does, he's not landing on his head and his shoulder like Scott used to do all the time. So, Well, that's <laughs> – he was never – yeah, there was the difference between – what was the difference between the Hurricane Rana and the Frankensteiner? It's because yeah, Scott would land on his mad. neck and not – like, I don't know how he didn't break his neck a couple times. I just saw a clip not all that long ago about a guy who didn't go over. And, and Scott, how he didn't break his neck at the angle that he was at and how he didn't actually beat – he had cocked his fist, but he didn't beat the hell out of the guy, and it was a miracle. He probably did backstage and probably deserved to. All righty. Let's look at some of the feedback here. What is everyone talking about other than they want to quit because I had the temerity to say he had a better Frankensteiner than Scott? Oh, what am I saying? Ray Mysterio has a better Frankensteiner than Scott, so you're going to quit for that one as well? Anything else? Gato could book a better one probably, right? This person here says, if WWE were smart, they would have Braun Breaker win the Royal Rumble, challenge Roman Reigns for the title at Mania, and dethrone him. They'd make a star in three months. Well, as much as I'd like to see that to win my $1,000 quickly, that ain't going to happen, I don't think. Paul Fontaine here says, I was listening to you talking about the Ishii match before you saw it. Here's what I posted to our Facebook group. I don't think it was possible for Ishii to have anything other than an excellent singles match, but holy smokes, evil, Dick Togo... And the horse they rode in on. I can't even read half of this. There's so much profanity. But anyway, mm. Paul didn't like it either. Nor should he. Because, in fact... Were we talking about this yesterday? It but was you horrible. Didn't wanna, you didn't want to hear any of it? Like a nat rational, nuanced conversation about everything that you mentioned being a reason Are we to really going something? back to this? No, well, I don't, don't think that go... Ghetto should we be removed for left, this bad but... match with Shii. But it was everything a bad that match. you mentioned about those those things, about House of Torture and all that sort of stuff. Look, Jay White is going to get back. That's going to be great. Chris Bay is going to make his debut as a member of probably the Bullet Club in New Japan. I can't wait for that because I really like Chris Bay and everything. But, you know, it's whether these come, guys come back and are they doing the same old thing. And, yeah, it's going to be some salve on the wound to be able to see Okada and you know, you name the American or, or the American that you want Tanahashi to face or, or, or any of that sort of stuff. But hopefully they have learned from a lot of this and from the stark way that things don't get over with the fans that are there and maybe look for changing some things before it does get worse. That's all I'm saying. Road Dog is gone. Matt Stryker also put out a tweet and later deleted it stating he is done with Impact. It's unrelated, obviously, to NXT firings, but more after the break. Observer Live.
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Back in the show, Brian Elver is here, Wrestling Observer Live. Mike Semper, BB, also WrestlingObserver.com. This guy's got a great idea, but I don't think it's going to happen. The judges tonight should be Jericho, Omega, and Moxley, the former champions. But I don't think they're bringing Omega back. They're doing a long-term storyline with him, so I don't think that's going to be who it's going to be. Judge Jeff Jones, you go in-house, Jerry Lynn, Dean Malenko, or do you go, uh, you do something different? Because some of those guys were in with the Dustin, uh, Dusty, or Cody thing, weren't they? Yeah. You know how many times Beer Money's been told that I'm not at 4 w Video and he just keeps it up? <laughs> Is it that hard to read the chat? You know you can read it. <laughs> By the way, a lot of talk about uh, Beach Break being in Cleveland. Cleveland. In the winter. Yeah. And so a lot of people have presumed that means Johnny Gargano is debuting. The mistake and, on the lake. Listen, maybe he is. I don't know. I have absolutely no idea what Johnny Gargano was doing. But I do know that there's another AEW star who is from Cleveland. And that is Wardlow. And they have been building up a Wardlow split for a while. And so I certainly would not, uh, would it be on them to book Cleveland to pull the trigger on that angle. Splitting him from MJF and doing whatever they're doing with MJF, Punk, Wardlow, and et cetera, et cetera. So I guess we'll find out, but uh did want to throw that out there. And, uh, yes, last thing, I will be doing a prediction show sometime soon. I'm not sure when. I'm pretty sure I won anyway, so, I mean, that hey, kind of takes the fun Where's out. Where's my award here? I got a, got a major award here that shows off my, my excellence and my incredible mental capacities. Where is it? It's over there. Get you just hey, said, wait a uh, Oh, I got this. Don't get out of here. We're out of time, everybody. want to thank you all for listening here today. Mike is always, I guess, callers and listeners, everybody in the studio. 
top tier YouTube subscribers, Twitch homies. We'll talk to you next time. Wrestling Observer Live. You have been listening to the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on Easy Mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.